Ah, yes, it's summer breakfast, Monday the 8th of January, and what a morning it is. It feels like the world is getting back to normal after Christmas, New Year's. I'm Trent Copeland. I'm here with Jalissa Apps. What a morning we're in for. Jalissa, we're here for Bryden's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness, contact Bryden's Lawyers. And firstly, good morning to all of you listening to SEN 1170 AM here in Sydney as we fill the chairs for Vossi and Brandy. And over the New Year period, we welcome those of you listening on SENQ 693am in Brisbane while Pat and Heels take a break. Good morning to everyone else across the SEN network. A reminder, you can speak with us on the Suncorp open line 1300 01 1170. You can get your home storm season ready with Suncorp. That number to call us again, 1300 01 1170. Jalissa, good morning. How are you going? I'm good. I'm a bit sad when you say like the world's getting back to normal after Christmas because it does feel like that. Like you go into the office, the adults are back. Yeah. Kids are no longer in charge, you know. So it's a bit. Referencing that you're a kid and you've been in charge. Yeah. No, I've actually been (laughs) off. I've been, I've been very lucky. I had, I don't know how I swindled this, but I had two weeks off at my relatively new workplace. So. Nice. Yeah. They were taking care of me. Well done. Yeah. It, uh, just a little insight for you behind the scenes. Jalissa, fully dressed, <laughs> ready for work at 5am this morning. I am incredibly underdressed. Got my casuals, suit on. Casuals and Birkenstocks. But anyway. Yeah, well, but you, you got the, you like look cool, whereas I look like, you know, what are you trying, who are you trying to impress? <laughs> it's 5am, it's 6am, it's whatever I am. Yeah, fair enough. Well done. No, I'm saying well done. I'm, I'm underdressed. Uh, if you can't listen to the show live, you can catch up via the podcast. Search for Breakfast with Vossie and Brandy on your favourite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And you can also find all of our podcasts on the SEN app. Today's guests, Damien Fleming, the bowlologist. He'll come on and talk about the test match. Obviously, Australia just wrapping up a 3-0 victory over Pakistan. David Warner retiring from test and ODI cricket. We'll talk about all of that very soon. Brett Phillips to come on and talk about Alex Dimonor heading into the Australian Open. He jumps into the top 10 of the world rankings That's quite an incredible achievement. And Andy Pascalides will come on. And we are going to start there because what is making news overnight, Matilda's captain, Sam Kerr, has unfortunately ruptured her ACL just six months out from the Olympics. I'm not sure I've heard worse news in recent times, Jalissa. This is heartbreaking. That's so disappointing. I know ACL is such a long-term injury is six months right on the brink. Could you get it right just in time for the Olympics or is that just too? Oh, I mean, we just watched the women's world cup where she was nursing a calf injury and, you know, couldn't play at a full capacity. Six months for an ACL. I I hate to say it, but I don't see any chance that she can participate for Australia. Gee, that's disappointing. And you've also got like a lot of qualifiers before then too. Like the football is one of those things where Every game, even though you have a lot of friendlies, they're usually leading up to qualifying or, um, you know, those kind of things. So it's not just the Olympics, but certainly the Olympics is a big thing to miss out on. I, I hope she can speed it up. Yeah. Modern medicine. Modern medicine, yeah, let's surely. Get, this happening. get some like what are those what does Magnuson love? The light therapy and all that kind of thing. Oh. Is it him who's into that? There's a lot of things that the missile <laughs> loves that I'm not not privy to. But just to confirm, uh, Chelsea confirmed that Kerr sustained the injury during their training camp in Morocco, and it means she'll miss at least the remainder of the women's Super League season. 
the UEFA Champions League and, as you mentioned, the two-legged Olympic qualifier playoffs in Melbourne next month. That's a big blow uh, also, like to have those Olympic qualifiers in at home yeah. too. That's such a big blow for football in Australia. Like they were really would be counting Such on momentum, weren't yeah. they? Like I think it's around 12 sellouts in a row. Yes, yeah, and, you know, financially that does a lot – does a lot for your broadcast rights when they come up, all those kind of things. So Sam Kerr, um, mm. yeah, no good. No good. And no we'll talk good. to Andy Pascalides about plenty more football news. The other big news overnight, I was just about to get into bed last night and the news came out on Rafael Nadal's Instagram mm. that he's withdrawn from the Australian Open due to injury. This is This is equally heartbreaking for tennis fans and I guess if you're just fans of the goats in all sports, Rafa's right up there. Yeah, and I mean, we saw Novak Djokovic a few times. You thought he was done. And then to have him where he is at the moment, I think everyone thought maybe Rafael Nadal could follow the same trajectory of, is this a great comeback? Are we fight? Are we going to have the two playing maybe a final against each other? Um, so, so disappointing to see. But also... Not surprising given he, like, he didn't seem to pull up well last week when he was yeah. flagging that. To hear what he has gone through to, to get back, he was talking last week about um, not just uh, mentally trying to get back to playing sport, but just trying to live pain-free mm. during that year was really hard and just being able to participate in, he said the biggest win was pretty much being able to participate in everyday life. So, um, yeah, so disappointing. It's a heartbreaking thing that not a lot of people are aware of with athletes in general. Like mm. Nathan Lyon has spoken about it, even just his calf injury coming home from the ashes, the mental burden that yeah. comes with injury and not being able to A, do what you love, but B, uh, compete at the top level. And even the doubts that start coming in on, will you ever be able to do it again? Mm. Uh, but just what was announced on his Instagram last night, quite a lengthy post, but I'll read it out. Hi all, during my last match in Brisbane, I had a small problem on a muscle that, as you know, made me worried. Once I got to Melbourne, I've had the chance to have an MRI and I have a micro tear on a muscle, not in the same part where I had the injury. And that's great news. Right now, I'm not ready to compete at the maximum level of exigence. I've not heard that word before, but well done, Rafa, uh, in five sets matches. Therefore, I'm flying back to Spain to see my doctor, get some treatment and rest. And as you say, the, re the rest of the statement there about how hard he worked to get back to the top level. Interested to hear your thoughts. Has your interest out there in the Australian Open taken a hit because of Nadal's withdrawal? Get to us on the Suncorp open line, 1300 01 1170. Certainly my interest has wavered. Uh, I will absolutely still watch the Aussies involved. And uh, inevitably, once the tournament actually rolls around, I start getting more and more into it. But um, it's a Exigency. Blow. Yes. Give it to um, me. What is it? An urge. Sorry, I had to look up. Ex ex exigence went to exigency. <laughs> I can't even say it. <laughs> so well done to Rafa. An urgent need or demand. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so there's your, well word, of, done. There's your word of your day early. I've got some, uh, I don't know your opinion on this, but I've got oh. some thoughts on chat GPT statements <laughs> starting to do the rounds. Are you Are you thinking that this is maybe, because I did think, has someone written this? Is this a... On a retirement? Yeah, like, is this a, do you think this is chat GTP? Have you used chat GPT? Yes, absolutely. Really? Yes. So what is it? Because I... <laughs> We've diverted a little bit from school <laughs> early. This has come really early. 
But what is it? Is it an app or is it a... Well, it, it can be used as an app, but it's a, an online function, or AI essentially, that mm-hmm. can, you ask a question or you, you, fry, you can teach it to speak like you. You can put things in. Uh, the, Do you sign up? Like, or is yeah, it... you need to have an account. Okay. Yep. And you can have a free account with an outdated version that doesn't have the most up-to-date data. Okay. You know, I'm talking worldwide across the internet, any relevant news. Um, but if you've got the up-to-date stuff, I mean, you can ask it world events. You can ask it to write you an essay. You can ask so it to... So what have to, you used it for? Uh, clarification on things that I don't want to have to go and search on the internet for. Oh, okay. So you haven't gone, can you write me... Uh, my opening monologue um, for Pakistan and Australia. No, definitely not. <laughs> uh, if I have to read monologues, I'm the worst. As you probably just figured out, what when I read when I read Raphael Nadal's statement and I've ne- it's not authentic. I start. I'm never two words ahead. I'm oh. three words behind. So. Okay. Well, I I would like to ask it to write a script. Maybe I should like tonight go. I don't know what I'll be doing at work today, but say I'm doing something on the cricket, I'll be like, write me a script. But uh, so how many, this is an interesting question get to us on the open line as well, because I think there's some, when someone's done something controversial in sport, quite often, I think the press release the next day is a, maybe media manager, but B, if it's come from the player's account, I think chat GPT, tell me a statement that encompasses this issue in referencing the relevant people that I need to reference and apologize to, mm-hmm. or in a retirement, it's what do what should I say in retirement to make sure that I don't miss anything? Yeah, okay. You know, things like that. And in Rafa's case, you know, English not being his first language, it might be a, give me an English translation of this. I wonder um, if you're, the more famous you are, like, does it, can it source on information? So if David Warner wrote, write me my retirement speech. You can, just... you can plug it back into chat GPT and ask, is this statement from chat GPT? Oh, and it can will say you? Yes. Yeah. So this is how, because kids and oh, uni it, students are submitting essays. I thought that was their problem. They couldn't, like, I thought that these educational institutions couldn't tell. No, you can absolutely plug it back in. Oh. So yeah, get, I mean you can't you cannot get away with plagiarism and saying like in one minute write me an essay on whatever topic. Plagiarism when I so I did a journalism degree, I did a law degree. If you did uh, plagiarism in the law degree, you would never become a lawyer. Yeah. It was so which I kind of like. I mean you shouldn't be able to fudge your way. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I did a little. <laughs> I didn't I didn't cheat. Did I do all the readings? No. We got, I got through. All the controversial topics being covered this morning. Yeah. Uh, but let's move on from ChatGPT onto that one of those topics. <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, I mean, feel free to t- tell us what you think. Yeah, one three hundred zero one eleven seventy. And what have you used ChatGPT on uh, to get your way through at the last minute? I mean, the other thing, I have had last minute MBA assignments due where I just haven't even gone to the right headspace. Yeah. And use ChatGPT to get me in the ballpark so I know what to research in my notes. Things like that. Oh, so. that's – is that getting a bit – So it's not writing anything for okay. me, but it's pointing me in the, you know, what what excerpt should I look at or, you know, things like that. Anyway. Okay. Okay, I'm getting myself in trouble. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> David Warner. We're going to have Damien Fleming on the show a little bit later, but I'm very interested to hear public opinion on – and your opinion in particular, Jalissa, on David Warner – the enigma, the hero, the potential greatest opener ever. I think, in my opinion, the greatest three-format player 
that we've ever had and may well ever have because I don't think players are going to physically be able to play T20 one day and test cricket at an elite level just with scheduling. There's going to come a point where you're not physically going to be able to play for the test team and the T20 team because they'll be in different places. He's probably the last, one of the last ones to do that um, mm. and do it effectively off all three formats. Definitely agree there. And I almost think that the different formats, they're going to they're gonna be treated as different sports, I think, eventually. Like you're going to have kids come through that they're no, – I don't play cricket. I play T20. Do you think so? Interesting. Yeah, I don't disagree. I, I wonder the longevity of 50 over cricket and, and whether there might actually just be tests and – T20. Well, 50 over World Cup maybe stays. I actually think there's an oversaturation of T20, not in Australia, but around the world. You know how all these like other leagues are popping up? Yeah. Yeah, they've got the money because they're backed by, you know, people. But do do we care? Like I care about the IPL. I don't care about any other. I care about the IPL and the Big Bash. Yeah. Couldn't care less about the any, any other short format T20 It'd be interesting to ask the players if they care. They don't. Surely they don't. <laughs> I mean, they care about the pay packet and, exactly. and the players that aren't playing for Australia yet in those formats very much care about using that as a springboard into he's dominated around the world or she has dominated around the world. So we need to then pick that player to play international cricket. And that's yeah, where it's been useful. But, but even someone who's dominated, like, I would say Chris Green has pretty, he's dominated pretty much around the world, but he's only just sort of starting to be looked at. Yes. There's, yeah, look tricky, but let me just read out the stats. So he's 22nd. He went past VVS Laxman in test runs. His numbers are pretty incredible when you look at them overall. 8,786 runs at an average of a tick under 45. Fifth all-time on Australia's test run scorers. He goes down as one of the greats, no doubt. It's just how you view him. Uh, We might tackle that a little bit after the break. Breakfast is powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. We're here for Brighton's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness, contact Brighton's Lawyers. You can have your say right now on the Edgewater Homes text line 0457 736 736. Edgewater Homes Mortgage Fund, up to $1,500 a month. Off your home loan for two years. T's and C's apply. Jalisa, we were just talking about Australia and the cricket. They obviously have just wrapped up a 3-0 win over Pakistan on Saturday. In The cricket was really intriguing all the way through. Uh, they chased down their target of 130 runs to win the test by eight wickets as David Warner made 57 in his final red ball innings. Let's have a listen to Jared Whateley calling Warner's half-century on SEN. Warner readies himself. He's back and turning around the corner, and he'll raise the bat one final time. He settles for the single. It's his 50th run. The SCG and the country rises to him. Glorious batting at the full gallop from Dave Warner. An embrace with Marnus Lubbershane. He raises the bat. To every part of the SCG, it's his 37th test half century to sit alongside 26 tonnes. And it all feels destined to be so on this Saturday in Sydney. Very interesting at that point. We were thinking fairy tale all the way to the end. Is he going to hit the winning runs? It wasn't to be. Let's finish it off with Jared calling the Warner wicket.
Sajid to Warner, he's covering up, he's struck in front, Sajid is getting crankier and crankier, it's the full bellow. Wow, that's getting silly down By Michael Goff, Sajid stands with his hands on his hips and his head tilted and oh, Sharp Masood is going upstairs, so away we go again. Ball pitching outside of the Impact is in line and wickets hitting. No sense of theatre from the DRS. The original decision of not out to out. Your on-screen signal now. Dave Warner is out for 57. And all the players on the field gather around him. His work for Australia in Test cricket is done. He will finish 22nd on the all-time run scoring lists. And he can take a final bow at some length here, separate to the result of the game. Warner reaches the thanks Dave sign as he kisses the helmets and turns to every portion of the grounds. It's a flourish of the bat to say goodbye. And a moment that will live eternal. Jalisa, when you listen to that, were you at the venue, firstly? And, and if you weren't, watching on at home, what did, what did that moment speak to you about David Warner? Uh, I was watching at home. Yeah. The first thing, uh, I've never been so devastated for someone to get a wicket and simultaneously so happy for Sajid because he was... <laughs> oh, he was filthy. Oh, he was. It was so funny to watch, wasn't it? Like he was yeah. just... A few times had just been really unlucky and he was just getting more and more fired up. And at one time it looked like Warner was actually kind of calming him down a little bit when they yeah. had a bit of an exchange. It was really funny. Um, for Warner, I was so pleased to see the reception that he got uh, when he walked off because um, I, I almost cringed a little bit when you said before, uh, we want to hear what you think about David Warner when because mm. I am sick of hearing what people have thought about David Warner. I'm getting a little bit, please call in one three hundred But I have been a little bit disheartened with some of the rhetoric that has been around yep. David Warner. Uh, I'm a big fan of Warner. I, I don't really understand the hate that both him and Candace get. Uh, so I was really pleased to see the moment that he got and the reception that he got. Yeah, look, 112 test matches, 8,786 runs at an average of 45. And importantly, the strike rate over 70 in an era where that just simply wasn't yes. done. There was a few batters around that, you know, the Gilchrist era um, that were changing the game in terms of tempo in a session, mm. but never had we seen it at that level of consistency at the top of the order. Mm. Um, and yes, there's incidents that have happened. I'm not even going to reference them, but there's been stuff that's happened along the way. What hasn't changed is how Davies carried himself on the field when fighting for his country to win a game of cricket. And largely, it, the sort of misunderstood nature is how giving and, uh, I guess, respectful of his teammates that he is. And it, I... I'm sure the public have seen in the last six days all the grabs of teammates talking about David Warner and, and what he's meant to the team, what they're going to miss. And a lot of it was about how giving he is, how great a family man he is, how caring he is about per people's situations. If we want him to go somewhere for dinner, Davey's the guy that organised it, all, almost like a second team manager on tour. Uh, and he's always got gifts for people, all those sort of things. So uh, people see that guy on the field mm. and judge just on that. But there is a person behind it. 
I've always found him um, very respectful to the media too and um, at times definitely didn't need to be. Um, but I've always found him so uh, polite and generous with his time when dealing with the media. And I think also just, yeah, like I, I has just been a really interesting person too because cricketers um, – I hope I don't offend you with this, but you're... That <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you're going to. You're, That's you're, when you say, no offence, but... You're a bit boring with people. <laughs> Not you. And I have to say, in that sort of recent era, probably yourself, Sock, Warner um, uh, and Kawaja are the only ones that actually ever give their opinion or are, are have interesting takes on things. Um so I have always found him very interesting as a person and I just, I, I just really like him. Yeah. Well said. There's a few texts coming in at the moment and i tell you what, I think I got off that way more lightly than I thought I was going to. <laughs> uh, here's one from Andrew. An average of 44 and 34 abroad does not qualify in my opinion as one of the greats in test cricket. Also, considering Warner played in one of the weakest eras of Test cricket, I'm not, I'm Ooh, not convinced you can say that. No, I don't think you can say one of the weakest eras of Test cricket. Yeah, it's just uh, you know, I, I'm I'm one of those people that I don't love looking back and saying Ponting versus Bradman or Warner versus. I, I just find it difficult to have context. But calling it a weakest, the weakest era, I'm just not there. But time for the news. We'll have plenty more. Thanks, Nathan. We're here for Bing Lee, better living every day. And we're powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. If you're just waking up, here are the headlines we've been discussing. Unfortunately, horrific news overnight. Sam Kerr has ruptured her ACL just six months out from the Olympics. Chelsea confirmed their superstar, picked up the injury at team training camp in Morocco. So, the Olympics very much in doubt. She'll miss the remainder of the Super League season as well. Rafael Nadal has withdrawn from the Australian Open after he suffered an injury at the Brisbane International. So no Kyrgios, no Nadal. We've been discussing how interested are you in the Australian Open without those sort of superstars playing in it. And we've been discussing Australia's clean sweep of Pakistan, albeit in a very tight series, uh, where David Warner ranks as an Australian cricketing great after his retirement from cricket, Red Bull cricket, and also ODI cricket on Saturday. This update brought to you by Height for Hire. Looking for height, hire it right. Visit hireforheight.com.au. Pick up the phone and have your say on the Davey Warner stuff, the Australian Open, and lots more as we go throughout the show. The Suncorp open line, 1300 01 1170. Jaleesa, there's plenty more sport going on as well. Uh, just recapping some FA Cup results. So you an FA Cup fan, football fan? It's not my first choice. Okay. Let me get through it anyway. <laughs> the football desk. Among the FA Cup results, Liverpool defeated Arsenal 2-0 after an own goal from Jacob Kiwior in the 80th minute and then a Luis Diaz goal in the fifth minute of injury time. Socceroos coach Graham Arnold has rated his team's 2-0 defeat of Bahrain as the perfect preparation for Australia's Asian Cup campaign, which starts next Saturday against India. So we'll talk to Andy Pascalides about that. What about the BBL? You said you watched the BBL last night. Mm. Tell us, what happened? I thought the rain was going to um, have the biggest impact. Can we talk about DR, D, sorry, DLS? DRS. DRS. No, You're DLS, talking... Duckworth Lewis Stern. Oh, yeah, okay. 
Can There's I, so many abbreviations. I don't a, know where you're going. This is okay. a bit of a this is a bit of a tangent. <laughs> Professor Stern also always gets off. Duckworth. <laughs> it is not Duckworth Lewis system. It is Duckworth Lewis Stern. Yeah. And poor Professor Stern, who took over the method, he just gets left off every time. Yeah. So he, he and he, he looked very concerned. He would be filthy as well, wouldn't he? He'd be filthy. The amount of effort that would have gone into that. The amount of effort. Well, he's the custodian of the system now because the other two have retired, I think, or one of them retired. So Professor of course, Stern. Of course, we're talking about when a rain-affected match in cricket <laughs> gets reduced on overs. Absolutely thrilling stuff here. Yeah. The real cricket nerd areas, which I absolutely love. Uh, but it, the interesting factor is, and it's a topic of conjecture, is how suited is it to T20 cricket? It's not. Mm. It's not. And I have this, uh, you probably heard uh, Paul Dennett on with uh, Dan sometimes on the tradies at tradies. Tradies news in a nutshell. Tradies well news oh, wow. in a nutshell. Well <laughs> I, but I listen. I listen. I don't know the name, but I listen. <laughs> Most important thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, Paul Dennett and I have this debate all the time because he's a big fan of the system. I don't think it works in T20 and it almost ruined the whole game last night. So can you give context on the actual game? So yes. who who batted first? Who won? Give it to us. Yes. Well, uh, the Heat batted first. Yeah. Now, they won in a rain effect. So it actually, last night it came down, they needed, I think, I think the Hurricanes needed three off the final ball. Yeah. Uh, I think it was three. Uh, and uh, they didn't get it. So the Heat won. But there was a moment in there, and this is where it doesn't work, where the rain, it was raining, and then they'd, they'd already had enough overs for DLS to, you know, have the outcome of the Heat were going to win the game. Yeah. Now, I, it just, I don't know if maybe you need to get the the overs like up to 10 instead of five. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Like, uh, And it, the headline is pandemonium at the Gabba as the Heat hold on in a thriller. And, and what? Walter bowls to the Hurricane skipper Ellis. Slower delivery. Plays it to mid-off. One run. Is that out? A run out? It doesn't matter. The Heat have defended the revised title of 118 of 16 runs. They remain undefeated. So Jason Matthews calling the winning runs on SEN there. It was, as I said, the the headline, pandemonium. The, the thing that stood out to me, I can't believe the Heat won. <laughs> when, when they got bowled out, or they weren't bowled out, but 7 for 132 off their 20 overs. I thought they were no chance. Yeah, but then the Hurricanes were three for seven. I know Xavier Bartlett with the new ball. Yeah. He was unbelievable. Yeah. So I'm I'm I come out of that game despite the DLS and and all of the stuff that you're talking about. Inevitably, at this point of the year, we have scorches, sixes, heat at the top of the table. No matter what's going on in the world, who's playing, who's doing what, they find ways to win. And the Renegades at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. And fill in the gaps. Yeah. After uh, that. Well, More and the thunder. the thunder have got work to do tonight. They're, and that's a that's a big game. I'm going to be out there at the showgrounds against the Scorchers. If they can't win that game, it's going to be very, very tough. Doesn't to David Warner still have a contract there? He does, yeah. Well, that's is the question. He, is is he? he going to play tonight? <laughs> I, I'd imagine that there's a, a level of alcohol in the system uh, after the celebrations. Is that a rule? Can you not? 
Well, Travis Head after the World Cup was about as full of alcohol as you could possibly get yeah. going into a T20 series yeah. not long after. Yeah. So, I mean, why not? I'd love to see it. Thunder can't make it, though. The oh, finals now. Oh, they can't mathematically. Okay, I thought no. there was still a chance. Oh, well, hang on. Oh, you would know. You would know. No, I don't. Well, I now I'm. I didn't think they could, but maybe they can. We'll do <laughs> our way, research in the break. <laughs> either way, they have to win. I didn't think they could, but so, but still, it would be good to see David Warner. Yeah, Davey Warner playing. Welcome uh, back. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Alex Hales needs to get off to a, a better start for the Thunder. He just hasn't found his groove this year yeah. like he has in previous years. So. A big game tonight for the Thunder up against the Scorchers. That's at Showground Stadium. Oh, breakfast is powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making Tomorrow Matter, shaping and building Australia together. Plenty more to talk about. For those of you north of the border, a reminder that Maccas are proud sponsors of Little Legends, supporting grassroots sport across Queensland. It's been a good morning. Lots to talk about in the world of sport. Just clarifying on our little research project that Jaleesa just gave us in the in the break. The Sydney Thunder on three points after six matches, a 10-match season. They can still make the top four. The Melbourne Stars are in fourth position. So a win tonight against the Scorchers who are in that top four and they are still a chance. So good news for Sydney Thunder fans. Yeah, I'm a Sydney Thunder fan. Okay. So I'm great. happy. You've just, well, Obviously look at was, what you've learned today. You've got still got hope. Yeah, well, I I was I didn't have any hope, and and here we are. We've got a few. <laughs> we've got a few texts. If you do want to text in oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Morning, guys. David Warner was a match winner. A guy who came from grey to internationals, then first class, where he also dominated. Also super fit and a great fielder. Anyone who bags, let me hold this. Anyone who bags him. Belongs on Muppet Island with Mitch Johnston, Dougie Piermont. Jeez, Dougie. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I agree with the first part of the sentiment. Um, um, Copes, how on earth, uh, how on God's earth, did DLS require stars to make only sixty-six at seven point seven five of forty-two balls with ten wickets in hand when Hobart had scored eight per over off twenty overs? DLS destroyed Kane's, yeah. Mm. Uh, this is the hard thing, isn't it? It's uh, one of those, and we were talking about this when you mentioned DLS. Uh, it's a team struggles through the first innings. The rain reduces a game, and all of a sudden, the team batting second immediately has to chase about fourteen runs and over. It just mm. doesn't seem fair. <laughs> well, I think um, Professor Stephen Stern was on a, a podcast where he was uh, saying he doesn't understand how people don't get it. Well, because we're not mathematicians, Professor yes. Stern. Yeah, we're using our cricket nuffy brains to watch cricket and it just doesn't add up. Do you know what we're going on? The vibe. And yes, it's off. The feels. The, the vibes are off. Yeah, that's exactly right. Could tonight be rain affected too? Yes. Yes, it could, <laughs> unfortunately. And I'm really hoping it just a little insight into the world of TV, rain feel is the worst. <laughs> the facts are Warner averaged 32 overseas in tests, never faced a full-strength West Indies attack, a short-form great, no doubt. Oh, man, I feel like recency bias is just coming in so heavy. Uh, you know, the stuff in England where Stuart Broad's had his measure in recent times, I, I think has clouded people's views on just how dominant Davey was. He averaged around 50 for almost the entirety of his first seven years of his test career. But uh, Bondi Jack's also gone, Jason, David Warner, flog. Flog. <laughs> who's, who's Jason? I'm not sure. Maybe that's me. 
A lot of people don't know who I am. <laughs> and I mean, Jason now. And by by nature, we're boring. So, you know, why bother with names? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I did call cricketers boring before. Yeah. I regret that now. Yeah, but Knowing Jason, that we have so many shifts coming up together. <laughs> yeah, Jason is in reference to Jason Matthews calling the Big Bash last night. Oh, on okay. So it wasn't All completely right. disrespectful. Okay, right. Okay, <laughs> I, I was thinking, who's, what's he? Anyway. And he was asking the listeners to text in one word when referencing David Warren. Okay, so. all right. And he said flock. So to no. be fair, he followed the instructions very I well. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, just in a few other sporting news around the world. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, 27 over Jacksonville Jaguars in the NFL at present. Now, that means if you're an NFL fan, the Jags, if they lose, they are likely out of the playoff picture. So NFL is one of my favorites. Jaleesa, are you a mm. fan? No, I'm trying to watch uh, more of it. I find it a very difficult game to understand. Okay. Uh, in terms of American sports, I like the NBA. I don't mind the baseball. Yeah. Uh, but I find it very confusing. Maybe it's just because I'm a nut and I watch it all the time. Mm. Um, but I think fantasy sports is what's got got mm. me into it more than anything else. But the Bengals 24-0 up against the Browns. The Lions beating the Vikings 13-6. They are flying this year, the Lions. The Jets and the Patriots, an absolute thriller there, 6-3 in the third quarter. <laughs> Don't watch that one. Uh, the Saints and the Falcons 17-all. And as I mentioned, the Titans and the Jags, 28-13. So some interesting games. Uh, there's a few really good games later in the window uh, this morning at around about 8 o'clock. The Chiefs up against the Chargers, Broncos and the Raiders, Seahawks, Cardinals and Bears and Packers. So plenty going on in the world of NFL. And in the basketball, the Brisbane Bullets have taken down the Sydney Kings, claiming a 101-93 to win on the road. It's the first time the Bullets have beaten the Kings this season and their first win at Kudos Bank Arena since 2017. So there's plenty going on, isn't there? I feel like, do you watch the NBL much? Uh, yeah, a bit of it. I, it's, I find it a really good thing to go to. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a good atmosphere and so much fun. Kings games in particular yeah. in recent times have just, like the final series last year was epic. Mm. I don't know if you went to any of that, but. Uh, yeah, I went to one of those games. I, I've only been to Kings games, so I can't. Um, but I, when I was down, what was I down for in Melbourne? I feel like I was down for the kangaroos test. Yeah, it was the kangaroos. Um, I, and I was down there covering and I thought there were so many people around. I thought, are these, is this all these people are coming to the kangaroos and, uh, the Kiwis? Yeah. No, they were going to the NBL across <laughs> the road. But because I was like, what are these jerseys? I can't. And then I figured out it's the NBL. But it, yeah, it's got a really big following. That precinct is, you can just get swept up oh, by what's so going good. on. It's about to have Australian Open fever as well. Mm. The open air game in the NBL is magic. I don't know mm. if you've seen any of that. I think it's South Melbourne play a game there at John Kane Arena and or Rod Laver Arena, one of the two. And they play with the stadium open, mm. in open air. And the pictures of that game so are just cool. magic. It's, it's great fun. Uh, but it's it's a really interesting season, the NBL, and I think anyone can beat anyone. So it's uh, worth watching, that's for sure. There's your, there's your NFL NBL updates for the morning. Dunny Didn't... has said, besides Candace and the Raiders, what else does Jaleesa like? Nothing. That's, that's it. it. No other interests. 
I mean, you've got enough there, don't you? Yeah. You've got enough on your plate. <laughs> uh, we're here for Brighton's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness, contact Brighton's Lawyers. Welcome back to Summer Breakfast. You're with Trent Copeland and Jaleesa Apsey. You wanted me to call it Jaleesa's show. I, I, I think you can. Why not? I kind of like it. <laughs> Welcome to Jaleesa's show. Call one 300 to speak to me. Uh, <laughs> It's Monday. I was going to be here. <laughs> you can go home. Do you, want to, you want to take off, mate? You've got a big day, actually. So You've do got, you. Yeah, but you not as late as you. You're doing the big bash tonight, aren't you? Yes. Ooh, yeah. That's bad. okay. We do what we love. Go rogue. I hope you get tired and go rogue. Uh, it's Monday, the 8th of January, and it was on this day, Adam Goods was born. I like this one. There's a few here, but I'm just picking out the ones I like. Adam Goods was born in 1980. Happy 44th birthday. James Tedesco, I like the birthday one. James Tedesco is celebrating his 31st birthday, born on this day in 1993. Josh Hazelwood was born in Tamworth on this day in 1991, making him 33. And not to give him a bad birthday present, but how long can all these fast bowlers go? They're all going to retire at the same time, aren't they? It's starting to concern me. It has that ring about it where Shane Warne and Glenn McGrath walked mm. off the SCG uh, arm in arm. And then we we're all like, oh, wow, how amazing. You legends. And then we're like, oh, now we need to replace <laughs> yeah, them. Exactly. <laughs> it is a bit of a problem in our, like when you look at the side at the moment, the Australian side, there's going to be a, this whole bunch of the next two years, a whole flurry of retirements. And you haven't yeah. got really, you like, you've got so many particularly fast bowlers around the country, but they're not getting that. Um, Australia experience. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be really difficult. And the last test match that we played, I think it was Marnus Labuschagne was the only player under 30 and the oldest Australian team since something like 1918. Mm. So yeah. there's plenty of turnover coming. That's for sure. Yeah. It's uh, what about this one in 1993, Michael Jordan's game higher, 35 points, give him exactly 20,000 NBA points in his 620th game. That is some research that I did not do. I can guarantee you, but that is amazing. Uh, we've been, yeah, Jaleesa's show here on SEN. There's plenty more coming up after the news. Uh, Monday, the 8th of January, it's Summer Breakfast, otherwise known as Jaleesa's show here on SEN. Uh, we're here for Bryden's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness, contact Bryden's Lawyers. Just catching up on the first hour of the news overnight, and there has been a lot of it. Matilda's captain, Sam Kerr, has unfortunately ruptured her ACL just six months out from the Olympics. Devastating news for the Matildas. They were on such a roll on the back of the Women's World Cup here in Australia. All the sellouts at every venue they go to. Uh, and this means she will miss at least the remainder of the Women's Super League season, the UEFA Champions League and Australia's two-legged Olympic qualifying playoffs in Melbourne next month. And you'd have to think six months away from an Olympics it's dire straits as far as her participating, Sam Kerr, in the Olympics for Australia. Uh, other big news around the place, and we will talk to Brett Phillips about this, uh, SEN's tennis expert very shortly, but Rafael Nadal out of the Australian Open, which is huge news for the tournament itself. Uh, and we'll, we might talk about Alex Dimonor's prospects on the back of that. Uh, other news around the place there's NFL going on this morning. We've had FA Cup results. We've been talking about it all this morning. But what we didn't cover, yeah. Davey Warner's retirement, we did. Pat Cummins, the magnitude of oh, this man's yeah. achievements, right? Like this this year, yeah. the World Test Championship, retaining the urn, winning a World Cup, mm. and now a 3-0 clean sweep against Pakistan. Remember that time where they said bowlers couldn't captain 
Test and teams. And that his, his performances are no good. And just his own form as well. Like he's just, Seriously. yeah, amazing. And always, amazing always to think about where he came from, where he spent so many years out with injury and mm. um, they, you know, just backed him and, and for good reason. And yeah, fantastic. He's been the story other than David Warner, the story of the summer. Player of the series, Pat Cummins taking 19 wickets, including three consecutive five wicket hauls. At one point he was taking a wicket every 21 balls. He was playing under 12s this mm. summer against Pakistan. It was ridiculous. Amir Jamal, though, on Pakistan's side, I'm really keen to hear Damien Fleming's opinion, mm. but I think an absolute find of the summer. He mm. came in, uh, debuted in Perth, took six wickets there, ended up with 18 wickets just short of Pat Cummins, but also scored that massive 90 runs in the first innings for Pakistan. Mm. He seems like he is a long-term player that they've found out of nowhere, really. Yeah. I think uh, Pakistan, you know, there was a lot leading into this. It's always funny. I feel like every year we lead into the cricket with, oh, no one's really excited about the cricket. Like there seems to be this like rhetoric around. And then once it starts, everyone's excited about the cricket. Yeah. And Pakistan, maybe it happened a little bit more this summer with the touring teams that were coming out. But Pakistan put up a really good fight, I thought. And um, also the way that they, um, like the way Masood in particular handled himself and just, yeah. he's such a classy person, isn't he? Really well articulated whenever he spoke about the game and... Spoke about how, David Warner beautifully, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I couldn't agree more. What about uh, one of the big issues during the SCG test? Uh, a clump of tape on the sight screen. That was massive. It, it took over the SCG. Mm. Talk to me. Well, uh, I just really liked that Steve Smith saw something, got completely fixated on it, allowed it to derail everything else in his life and <laughs> needed it fixed. That is very relatable to me. <laughs> relatable King. Uh, you don't go off on tangents or get distracted, do you? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> or get like completely fixated on one thing and go, I need to fix that before my life can carry on. <laughs> That's a very, like a bit of an OCD quality in myself. Yeah. Maybe Steve Smith as well. I loved it. Well, I, I must say about 15 minutes after that. So the groundsman, Michael, his name was, he went around, jumped up the sight screen. It was like he was on the surfboard going up and the crowd were so up and about for it that when he came back down, the game could resume. He was walking around the SCG, high-fiving the crowd, As getting roars. It was like he was in front of Bay 13 in Melbourne during the Boxing Day test. He was like a hero. That's his moment. <laughs> it was his moment. Good. He, he, I interviewed him on Seven and he had his sunnies on, his big M-frame sunnies, and it, he was just vibing. He's like, this is my moment, mate, and I'm getting texts left, right and centre. Did he put it there so he could have that moment? That's the next question. We need to delve into that. <laughs> that's an <laughs> investigation today. That's what, Maybe that's what I'll do today at work. <laughs> uh, all right. It's time. Of course, we've mentioned the news about Rafael Nadal. Who better to speak to than SEN's tennis expert, Brett Phillips? Mate, what massive news. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, Trent. Good morning, team. Uh, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's disappointing. But, yeah, I think uh, once that... Um, issue happened, you know, against uh, Jordan Thompson, obviously, you know, played an outstanding match and pushed uh, Rafa to the limits uh, in an epic uh, quarterfinal on Friday. And then listening to Nadal impress and just seeing him have that medical timeout really late in the match, uh, we've sort of seen it, you know, a, long, a lot across his 20-odd year career. And, 
Yeah, look, this was going to be a, a real feel week. Um, you know, he, he felt right to come back and compete, but he needed to get into some matches, to, I suppose, to feel um, just what that would be like for his body. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of uncertainty the last, you know, eight or nine months whether he was going to come back. You know, he only started hitting some balls again around August, September, and, yeah, just a slight tweak. I mean, he's always had issues with that sort of hip area, the hip flexor. And, uh, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to try and stretch yourself in a, in a Grand Slam uh, best of five. And if, if this is going to be the farewell year, which we think it is for Rafa, then he's got to, uh, you know, somehow get it right to, you know, it's a long season, as we know, in tennis. It goes all the way through to November and you know, there's a lot of um, you know, matches that he can still play, but he's got to be right. So, yeah, it could do further damage. So, yeah, disappointing uh, for the tournament and for Rafa himself, uh, but... Yeah, 37 years of age, that body is uh, certainly hanging by a thread. Brett, even if uh, he can come back, what do you think is the feel of his desire to do that? Like he sort of spoke, I guess, last week about how hard it was just doing the everyday things when he was injured. Would he have a desire to go through any rehab to get back again? Well, he's done it. Yeah, he's done it so many times. I mean, he wants to finish his career on court, whatever that, uh, looks like and wherever that will be. I mean, you know, is it a one last appearance at the French Open, which he's dominated, you know, the Paris Olympics? Um, I mean, you know, he hasn't totally shut the door on anything. He sort of strongly indicated that this is likely to be uh, the last year. He knows that, um, you know, he's pushed his body through so much. I mean, the fact that he's still competing now, we thought probably he was going to retire at, you know, 31, 32. He was, you know, banged up particularly with his knees and. You know, each time he's found a way. I mean, he's just such a warrior uh, that you know he loves to compete, and he he, he doesn't want to just peter out of the sport. So, um, but you know, he also wants to be able to compete to win, not just to make up the numbers. So, yeah, look, I we'll wait and see. I mean, it's not a total disaster. It's not like um, you know this injury is going to set him back uh, twelve months, but he's got to manage it probably over the next you know two to three, and then just see where he uh, where he lands. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Moving on to the actual Australian Open itself, and uh, there are Aussie prospects. We've seen news that Alex Diminor has jumped into the top 10. How exciting ahead of our home tournament. Yeah, Trent, it's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I've been an unabashed fan of Alex uh, from day one, and I'm I'm glad maybe now the Australian public uh, is starting to really get around this young man who might not have believed that he could get into the top 10, but it's been just a beautiful incremental, um, you know, growth over the last three or four years. He had the rapid spike as a, what, you know, at 1920, where he went from outside 200 to about 30 in the world. And then it's just been gradual, gradual, gradual getting better. And, you know, I, I think, you know, he, the thing that's driving him is to prove the doubt is wrong. Who don't believe that he's got the weapons or the size to match these uh, bigger guys inside the top 10. But what he's got is his unbelievable competitiveness. And, you know, he can jump his opponents early. He can be in their, in their grill, so to speak. Uh, look, he brings so much skill, the, you know, the athleticism. And I think he's starting to really sort of beef up now the serve and the ground strikes to just make life a little easier so you're not grinding as much. So, look, there's no ceiling. Um, you know, they're the first Aussie since Leighton uh, back in, what, 2006 to make the top 10. And, you know, he loves playing at this time of the year. The Aussies get such a small window to play in front of their crowd and their support, and he's feeding off that right now. So, look, he's a hard worker. He's a good young guy um, who's 
you know, just being himself, and he expresses that uh, on court. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it is Hewitt really take two. Yeah. Um, whether he can emulate Leighton and win a, a slam or two, uh, <laughs> we'll have to well, wait and see. Brett, that was my call. I, I want to know: Can he win the Australian Open? <laughs> Well, I mean, there's a there's a guy who's won it ten times who uh, is is in pretty good nick. Although, you know, he had the issue obviously over in Perth at Djokovic with the wrist. I, I don't know. I mean, that, I, I think that's more um, uh, that, that's manageable. Uh, he's managed, uh, you know, obviously injuries across uh, the journey. Look, it, it all comes down to draw and matchups too. I mean, the, the reality is where Alex is now, he should be around that sort of fourth round, um, at least fourth round quarterfinals sort of mark, and then it depends who you you're drawn up against. Um, but, you know, look, I, I think he won't die wondering, uh, that's for sure. I, I'm not about to declare he can win the Australian Open, but, you know, this is a year where he can genuinely climb into the top 10 and stay there. Because a lot of players climb in and they dip back out and um, we don't see them back. So, you know, I think once he's in, you know, the, the challenge will be to stay in the top 10 for the next two to three years. And, you know, he's still only, what is he, 25, I think, Alex. So he's not even really at his peak yet. But what about uh, on the women's side of things, and particularly someone like Naomi Osaka, who just seems to have this completely fresh, when she was talking to the media the other day, this completely fresh take on life. Is she someone that, uh, obviously, we've seen a winner before. Could she do it again? Well, yeah, watching her two matches in Brisbane, I mean, she's lost none of the firepower, uh, which was the hallmark of her game. Uh, no one hit the ball harder than Naomi when she was at her peak, you know, won four majors in quick time. And, you know, I think it just, she just needed some matches. So, you know, she's come to Melbourne now, been practising the last few days. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously motherhood gives you a, you know, a new sense of perspective. She has indicated that she wants to give more back to the fans. I mean, she's such an interesting personality on the tour. You know, she's got that shyness about her, um, doesn't necessarily enjoy doing all the media stuff. But, you know, I think we're going to see a, just a different type of character. She's looked, you know, if you, she's gone into bat for so many great causes around the world. So she's a deep thinker about life and everything. I mean, obviously, the, the, the top sports people always have that bit of intrigue about them, you know, as the outsider uh, looking in and... Yeah, I think, you know, she's dangerous in the draw. You don't want to be probably going up against her. Is she going to be a wild card? She can just free swingly and uh, swing freely, I should say, <laughs> and have a good time and just build build her way into the season. And who knows what she can achieve? Uh, all the mums coming back. I mean, Angie Kerber, you know, Caroline Wozniacki. Yeah, it's great for the sport uh, that these um, these ladies still want to play. They've still got the fire burning to uh, to win matches and tournaments. Brett, just on the United Cup, mate, Germany come out on top there. What did you make of it? Look, absolutely pulsating. I was watching to 1am uh, this morning. I, look, I think the concept has grown on me, uh, Trent. It was yeah. the second edition. I don't know what this long-term future is, but, you know, this is, um, you know, the great part about tennis of bringing the men and the women together to play together in the same team. And you know, the, the tennis players love playing in uh, the team aspect of the sport, be it, you know, Davis Cup, Billie Jean King Cup, Labor Cup, United Cup, because they're on their own, um, you know, as their own entity throughout the year. It can be a lonely sport at times. They love being part of that team dynamic. And, yeah, the crowds were uh, terrific. Uh, the, the, uh, the tennis was absolutely pulsating, you know, often going down to the mixed doubles as a decider. And, yeah, Alexander Zverev, uh, you know, getting it done. He was the, the he-man, really, of Team Germany. And, 
going to be dangerous, obviously, in the singles inside the top 10. So a lot of talk about, you know, uh, Saudi Arabia injecting a lot of money into tennis in the next 12 months. They would love a tournament in January leading into the Australian Open. So what our summer looks like in 12 months is going to be fascinating because the Saudis are prepared to throw a lot of money at tennis uh, at the moment. But, yeah, big tick for the United Cup. It didn't quite grab me the first year, but year two across Perth and Sydney, yeah, I thought it was outstanding. Is it? Do you think that's a format that it'll stick with across the two cities? Like, it is pretty unusual. Yeah, well, we had three, obviously, with uh, you know, Brisbane the year before, and, and rightly so, Brisbane got their own tournament back. I mean, the Brisbane International, what a success that was in the last week. You know, the Olympic City, there's going to be more money pumped into uh, the Queensland Tennis Centre. Uh, you know, great win for Rebuckener and Dimitrov. Uh, they've set themselves up for the Australian Open. So, it was a truncated version this year, and I, I liked it. Uh, you know, Perth, uh, obviously, they had the Hopman Cup for 30 years. They you know, they deserve to see some top-flight tennis. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. How they, you know, the summer of tennis has continued to shift and change the last uh, three or four years. It would be nice to bed down a format for the, uh, the long term. But, yeah, I think across the two cities, it, you know, it, it worked really well. Brett, the Australian Open qualifiers begin today. I'm interested in your thoughts on every year, this time of year, we, we have someone pop up in Australian colours that we've never heard of, or at least the non-traditional tennis fans have never heard of. Who, who do you think it might be this year that makes some noise? Yeah, we've got 25 Aussies in the, the qualies. Uh, the weather's a bit ordinary in Melbourne this morning, so we might have a delayed uh, start. That wouldn't surprise anyone. A bit of rain in Melbourne. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so get the heat off Sydney, young... will you? <laughs> yeah, I know. There's one boy, um, his name's Pavle Marinkov. He's only 17. He actually played in Canberra in the last week. Uh, huge raps on this young kid. His uh, ranking is outside the top 1,000 uh, right now. So a junior uh, stepping into the pros, but he uh, he beat a player um, inside the top 200. So the margins can be really small, but uh, huge raps on this young boy of what he might be able to do and how fast he might be able to progress. So just uh, Pablo. And there's a young girl too called Maya Joint uh, from um, Sydney. She's actually American-born, uh, has come now to settle in uh, Australia and only 17. Uh, she looks to be a rising star as well. So this is the benefit of having a home slam is a lot of our Aussies get wild cards into the qualifying. So, yeah, hopefully a few can uh, you know make the most of it. Brett, you're up until 1am. You're still with us on Summer Breakfast this morning, SEN's tennis expert. We can't wait for the summer of tennis. Thanks for joining us, mate. Thanks, Brett. No, pleasure, team. We'll talk soon. Make it look easy with Sportsbet. Chances are you're about to lose. It's your Monday morning and there's so much sport going on around the world. We've just spoken to Brett Phillips about the Aussie Open. Now let's talk to Nick Ashman from Sportsbet. Hey, Nick, how you going, mate? I'm good, uh, Trent. Uh, good to be back on the air with you guys. I trust you had a good Christmas and a, a safe and happy New Year. Yeah, it's been good. It's been busy. Lots of cricket going on, that's for sure. But uh, talk to us about the Australian Open, mate. What have you got there? Well, we heard the news in the last 24 hours that Rafael Nadal's out. Uh, he was actually the big mover after he sort of won first up, if you like, to use a horse racing term, um, in the Brisbane uh, ATP. He... Um, it was a big firm. It was around $21, $15, and it was $9 by the time he announced yesterday, Trent, that uh, he was out of the Aussie Open. Of course, we've also seen 
Uh, some good tennis from Aussie Alex Demonor, and he's now inside the top 10 for the first time. He's a $36 chance in the men's uh, Australian Open. Novak Djokovic is your favourite at $2.10. He did get into a $1.91 last night, but he's just back out to $2.10. Carlos Alcaraz, uh, the new kid on the block, if you like, $4.33. Yannick Sinner, well, I think, is in for a big 2024, $7.50. And uh, Holger Rune, uh, $23.00. Zvayev is $26. Those two clashed last night in the United Cup final uh, with Zvayev, the German, getting the better of him after being one set down. So uh, really interesting market. Uh, Djokovic, no surprise to see him favourite. Um, it's But Alcaraz, he's, uh, he's predicted to, to do some pretty big things in 2024. If you like the women's name, Iasaka is a bit of a popular bet in the women's Australian Open. She's a $21 chance, Trent. So... Um, Maybe some value there for the uh, for the Japanese lady. And what about the Super Bowl? I want to know about the sports side of things, but also sometimes you've got these niche markets, and I won <laughs> a lot of money on betting that Rihanna was going to come out in red last year. So do you have any thought? Yeah. So I, I want to know the niche markets as well. Yeah, look, I'm going to have to talk to you closer to the time. Those types of things um, come out sort of in the days or or maybe a week or so leading up. At this point, we don't have anything. What I can give you is a very straight market and a boring one as well now, Uh, and that is the San Francisco 49ers, your $3.25 favourite. Yes. Ahead of the Baltimore Ravens at 4 bucks. And then you're right out to the Buffalo Bills at $9. They've had some good support over the last week or so. They were sort of around the $14, $15 mark, but some good form seen then trim right up. Dallas Cowboys will play today at around $1.10 favourites at home and should get the job done there, nine fifty, And they share that line with the Kansas City Chiefs, who I think have won the past two. And then you're looking at the Eagles at 12 bucks and Miami Dolphin at $13. Who can forget laces out if you're an Ace Ventura fan? <laughs> we need to be tuned in, uh, Delisa, to the tea leaves on Gatorade colours, national mm. anthem length, who's singing it, all those sort of things. You've yeah. got to watch the form. It's like racing. Oh, <laughs> I, I will dig out. I will talk to the traders for you guys and see what I can uh, see what I can get for you there. And one final thing, Cairns today, racing up there. Uh, race two, number six, Ready Boss is around a $23 chance. Might be worth something small each way, Trent. Yeah, race two. <laughs> Delisa's just taking no, this down. Num- number six. Number six. Okay, yep. Yeah, Ready ready Boss, uh, ready trained boss. by Roy Chalimi, is an outstanding trainer up that neck of the woods, and this galloper finds his pet conditions for the first time in a while. Brilliant. Thank you. Hey, just before we go, just quickly, I've just watched Armin Ra St. Brown score a 70-yard touchdown for the Lions. What are they paying for the Super Bowl? For the, for the Super Bowl, Detroit, $18 for you, Trent. Oh, I don't mind it. $18. As a I don't yeah. mind it. Mate, uh, thanks so I'm much for go. joining us this morning. Plenty of sport going on in the world. If you want to check it out, it's all there on Sportsbet. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Trent. Thank you, guys. Make it look easy with Sportsbet. Chances are you're about to lose. For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Thanks, Nathan. We're here for Bing Lee. Better living every day. And we're also powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter. Shaping and building Australia together. If you're just waking up, there's a lot of sport happening. Sam Kerr's ruptured her ACL. This is devastating news just six months out from the Olympics. Chelsea has confirmed Kerr picked up the injury at the team training camp in Morocco. That is just upsetting for the also the Olympic qualifiers that are in Melbourne, like football Australia would be relying on 
uh, the momentum and the crowd numbers and everything that come from that. So really sad news uh, that overnight. More injury news. Rafael Nadal, he's withdrawn from the Australian Open. He's suffered an injury at the Brisbane International. He did put a statement on his Instagram and said that he had a micro tear. It isn't the same muscle or the exact same injury that he had before, but certainly at his age, not very good and coming back from such a long stint off as well. Um, we spoke with Brett Phillips earlier this hour about Nadal and other tennis news. Get that on the podcast if you missed it and you were having a little bit of a sleep in. I hope you were. Um, <laughs> and we've been discussing Australia's clean sweep of Pakistan and where David Warner ranks as Australia's cricketing and Australian cricketing great after his retirement from Red Bull Cricket on Saturday. Give us a call, 1300 01 1170. Um, and we're getting a lot of texts. Yeah. Through. The Edgewater Homes text line 0457 736 736. A lot about David Warner this morning. So tell us what you think. Is he a legend of the game? Is he Australia's greatest across three formats, as I was thinking? Uh, and, and what have you made of his career? Uh, there's it, the first one that's come up here. There, There's a little bit missing on the end, but good morning, Jalissa and Trent. As much as the fairy tale ending for Davey hitting the winning runs, I'm glad he got out so he could walk off and get. I'm assuming the reception that he deserved may well have been the, the finisher there. Uh, it could very much like have been different. You, you filled in like the crucial bit. You're like, I'm going to guess the crucial bit of this yeah. text. Well, well, it could have either have been that or it could have been get the reception. So everyone get would tell him, what, yeah, <laughs> tell him what they thought. Uh, yeah. It's been interesting to watch though, because a lot of the texts that have been flowing in this morning, um, this one in particular from Tabman64. Let's be honest, it's harder to get out of the Australian cricket team than into it. Dave Warner's form for several years, especially outside of Australia, did not warrant selection. Super glad he's finally gone. Now, that's part of the... It is part of the rhetoric at the moment. It, it is definitely part of the conversation. I I just don't think any of the the arguments that can be made in that light ever go close to the magnitude of the actual achievements that have been on the field. The thing is, when you ask who should be the next opener, there's about five different answers. So did David Warner stay around too long? No. Yeah. Like if there's not a clear option uh, for the who should be the next opener, then how can you say that David Warner shouldn't still have been in the team? Well, we'll ask Damien Fleming about that and who he thinks, but who do you think? You've been covering cricket for a uh, long time now. Steve Smith's put his hand up in recent weeks. Yeah, I think Renshaw needs to be re-looked at or um, Cameron Bancroft. I mean, at this point, I don't think there's much more that Cameron Bancroft can really do. If he's not um, selected on his form now, I don't think Cameron Bancroft is ever getting back in the Australian side. Yeah. Well, as far as who's the most difficult to bowl to and get out in domestic cricket, I can speak from experience and say it's most definitely Cameron Bancroft. Right. I also don't bowl at Steve Smith. So, I like, I'm not having any of the current Australian yeah. team in the equation. But yeah. Cameron Bancroft and Marcus Harris, to be fair, mm. uh, for a long time, have just churned out run after run after run, not just here but in county cricket as well. Mm. So it's it's a good situation to be in. And then C Cameron Green is the other one. No doubt that Australia want to find a spot in the team for him. Why is there a desperation to find a spot for Cameron Green? And I say that respectfully – I can see the potential, but why are we desperate to get... There's a lot of guys with potential. Where's the desperation for getting Cameron Green in? 
Well, I mean, the hunger for an all-rounder of that caliber is, you know, that that's where it stems from. But he's also, you know, you're talking about these guys that have been scoring runs in domestic cricket. There are very few batters in first-class cricket averaging 50. Mm-hmm. He averages 50. Forget the bowling for a minute. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the, the resume he's put up in domestic cricket, I think he's arguably in our best six batters in the absence of someone like David Warner. And particularly if you're looking at, so we mentioned Cameron Bancroft, he's over 30. Yeah. Marnus Labuschagne, the only player in the team under 30 at the moment. Yeah. Are we looking at the next generation or are we looking at just the here and now, pick someone like Uzi who's, you know, done amazingly yep. and can give us one to four years as opposed to maybe 10 to 15. I, I can see definitely where you're coming from there. I'm wondering though, is the opening spot, just because it is open at the moment, the best yeah. spot for him? Like to get in the side, do you want to put him in, in a spot where maybe he doesn't perform, maybe he's not right for that spot and then yeah. it, it affects the trajectory of his career? Yeah, fair question. And I guess the, you know, the Usman Kawaja example is pertinent because he had only ever really, since he was a junior, batted in the middle order Mm, for New South Wales, then Queensland. And then just because Travis Head missed, he was the one that went in to bat at number five for the Boxing Day test when Travis Head had COVID, Mm -hmm. scored runs. Then he went to open when Travis Head came back and pushed Marcus Harris out of the team. So, Mm. I mean, it, it is... And it's been spoken about in recent times by Andrew McDonald, Pat Cummins, non-traditional opener is the term being used at the moment. And it's, it's actually quite common these days that the best batter with a very good foundation like Cameron Green has in terms of his technique is then picked, not necessarily just the best opener, mm. uh, albeit test cricket is you know, taxing and requires, uh, you know, longevity, temperament, all, all the rest. So Tell us what you think. Who should open the batting for Australia? Uh, Steve Smith has put his hand up in recent times, but we've just mentioned a few names. Uh, it's 0457 736 736 and the Suncorp open line. We'd love to hear what you actually think. Give us a call, 1300 01 1170. We, we heard the odds a little while ago on the Australian Open with Nick Ashman. The odds on the Demon to win the Aussie Open should be 200 to 1, was a text that just came in. That's harsh, given he's in the top 10. Yeah. Pretty savage. Greenkeeping Rooster, morning Jaleesa and Trent. Just on Dave Warner, he's been a very good test player, but as far as legend goes, I think that's a stretch. As a sporting public, I think we get dragged into recency bias too much and don't acknowledge players from past eras enough. I I do have the similar issue with the word legend being thrown around in general. In all sports? or you In mean everything. When, yeah. In I must everything. say I'm a superlative guy. I'm superstar, really? a legend. Yeah, yeah, but just in conversation, even not yes. necessarily yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, a specific yeah. player. Yeah, it's uh, part of the part of the reason is I feel like I've grown up listening to others talk about players like that. Yeah, so yeah. It, it is a common problem. Yeah, it's one of those things, and and we won't know where David Warner sits, you know, in in terms of his entirety of his career because he's still going to play T Twenty formats around the world, and he said that he might still be available in the fifty over. Champions Trophy. Uh, that I found very funny part of that press conference. It was almost <laughs> like, oh, and I'm retiring from one day and then I'm having mad regret, but I'll, but I'm available. Like- well, there's, a, there's no hidden uh, agendas in there. It's then he doesn't have a national contract. He doesn't yeah. have to play bilateral series and be away from home. Yeah. He has the option of. Realistically though, he'll be 39. If we haven't found another opener by that <laughs> point. True. 
We are in chaos. <laughs> we are too. That's right. Uh, we are here for Bryden's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness? Contact Bryden's Lawyers. Summer Breakfast is powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter. Shaping and building Australia together. 7.45am in Sydney, 6.45am in Brisbane. Uh, Jaleesa, it's been an interesting morning. Lots of news. We've been talking about Sam Kerr and the Olympics. We've been talking about, well, that devastating ACL injury for Sam Kerr, but then also Rafael Nadal missing the Australian Mm. Open. We've just recently been talking about who should open the batting for Australia uh, in the test team on the back of David Warner's retirement. It's not just the test team. It's also the 50-over ODI team as well. So the the talk about Steve Smith, we're going to ask Damien Fleming out of 8 o'clock about this exact topic. But uh, a, tech, a text has come in from Shooter. Hey, guys, where's Will Pekofsky in the equation? I, I, it's an interesting one because the concussions have really derailed what was you know, a young guy that had scored enough runs, like I was talking about with Cameron Green, to get into the Australian team to open the batting with David Warner. And then it's somewhat derailed to the point where he's had to take some time away from the game. Mm. He's now back playing, but you, I think, you, I'm sure you're of the same opinion, you, he just needs to be able to play the game, enjoy it, yeah. and have a good run at just playing the game at domestic level first. Yeah, I agree. And I see that he's like he's doing a bit of commentary now and a yeah. few things that have set him up outside of cricket yep. as well. But it's a it is a really sad um, you know, what happened in to his career. Uh and not to say that he can't come back for that, but I think you're right. It he just needs a longer stint of consistency and, and to be well. Yeah, exactly right. We've got another text here from the Westy Eel. Morning, guys. Congrats, Warner, on a great career. I'm still picking Matt Short to open the batting. I think he can play like Warner with a high strike rate. 50 over cricket, I actually think he should be the man. I actually think he's the guy that can come into our team and provide another bowling option, but also just, I mean, anyone who's watched the BBL in recent years, I've watched him in domestic cricket for Victoria. This guy can seriously play. Not um, not someone I've heard mentioned, but I, I really like it. Um, I guess we've all been talking about the tests because we don't, it's a bit sad, but we don't care about 50 till the World Cup, do we? <laughs> but essentially, you, you need to prepare before that. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess when I've been thinking about the opening position, I've only been thinking about test cricket. Well, I'd, I don't think he should be ruled out of that equation either. Probably not right now. But he is yeah, very yeah. much on the trajectory to playing international cricket in all formats. Yeah, right. And I think having now played in the IPL, dominated the BBL uh, and played around the world, I think he's very much in the frame to be in Australia's squad for the T20 World Cup this year in America and the Barbados leg of that as well. So I, I think he's a guy that, yeah, rightly mentioned Westy Eel. I think he's very much in the frame with the high strike rate and just how he plays the game. Uh, the way the game is going. So, someone said the fact that Steve Smith is agitating to be opener proves my point. It's harder to get out of the Australian team than into it. Get some less annoying new blood. Someone's not a fan <laughs> of Steve Smith. I found the fact that he put his hand up for that very intriguing, though. Yeah. And I, we were talking about it off air, and I asked you why, because I said to you, of 
Steve Smith says the most disinteresting things and <laughs> the most interesting thing he said recently is, yeah, I'm happy to open. And I was just thinking, where on earth did that come from? Why? Why Trent Copeland does he want to open? Well, I mean, A, I think he's capable and, and B, I think it's a new challenge that he's never ticked off in his career, mm. you know, which a, a career of which basically every achievement has been ticked off that you can possibly tick off. Yeah. So. I mean, just knowing Steve Smith, the guy, away from cricket, I think these are the sort of things that drive him and motivate him. Mm. I mean, as little as last summer, he was talking about, oh, I'm not sure how long I'll play. Mm. <laughs> and he loves getting away from the game. Mm. But uh, I think that's the sort of thing that would really fascinate him on, Am I? could I actually be as dominant mm. up there? And uh, And I think an element of, always wanting to just do what's best for the team. So mm, making okay. it explicitly clear that mm. if asked, I will absolutely jump at it and do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was interesting that Usman Khawaja, uh, when he was asked about Manus, he pretty much laughed it off <laughs> and thought that he said, have you asked Manus this? And then laughed and said, there's no way he'll want to do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, two similar players with two very different takes on yeah. uh, where they want to be in the side. I'd, we were talking off air and, and both sort of said we don't like the idea of Steve Smith just because he is so valuable in that middle order. Yeah. Um, his form probably, you know, it's a funny thing with Steve Smith because we hold him to Steve Smith's standard. Sometimes I yeah. think we, we're always like, oh, you know, his form's come off a bit. It's come off at Steve Smith's standard a bit. Yeah. No one else's. Yeah. Right. I'm not worried in the slightest. Mm. Yeah. I think a lot of people are just because he's not, a, both he and Marnus, uh, Marnus probably a little less given that he scored a few runs in the Sydney test in both innings. But yeah, just any time we don't see double hundred after yeah. hundred after hundred uh, for and a him summer. carrying the side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and all the talk has been about Mitch Marsh, Travis Head, including the World Cup. So mm. Maybe it is a bit of a changing of the guard, but I'm certainly not worried that Steve Smith's not at the level. Mm. Uh, there's one here from uh, the Brisbane Eel. Listen to this. Morning, JA and TC. Vossi spotted in the nets at the SCG auditioning for the opening spot. Only sticking point. My mail is that he wants to open only with Brandy and not Uzi, so unlikely to be picked. <laughs> Very I'd good. like to see that. I would actually like to see Vossi in the nets. Maybe we can make that happen. Maybe we can get you to vol to Vossi. Happy to. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm absolutely happy to. Uh, Brandy too. Line them up. <laughs> Facing my 105k an hour medium paces. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they'll have any troubles. Uh, time now for a break. Ah, uh, yes, it's summer breakfast, Monday the 8th of January, otherwise known as Jaleesa's show, if you're just joining us. There's been Thank lots you. going on in the world. We're here for Bryden's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness, contact Bryden's Lawyers. All of you listening on SEN 1170, good morning to you in Sydney as we fill the chairs. Trent Copeland and Jaleesa Apps for Vossi and Brandy. And over the new year period, we're welcoming those of you listening on SENQ 693am in Brisbane while Pat and Heels take a break. And good morning to everyone else across the SEN network. The Suncorp open line 1300 01 1170. Get your home storm season ready with Suncorp if I can read that properly. That number again to call us, one 1170 and the Edgewater Homes text line, 0457 736 736. If you can't listen live, you can catch up via the podcast. Search Breakfast with Vossi and Brandy on your favourite podcast platform and, of course, on the SEN app. We've got Andy Pascalides coming up shortly to talk 
football. The Sam Kerr, huge news that's come out overnight. We've got Damien Fleming coming up out of 8.30 talking the Aussie cricket. And just recapping some of the stories around the world, that news on Sam Kerr, heartbreaking really. Matilda's captain, Sam Kerr, rupturing her ACL just six months out from the Olympics as the Matildas had such momentum Mm. after the Women's World Cup here in Australia. She'll definitely miss the rest of the Women's Super League season, the UEFA Champions League and Australia's qualifiers coming up in Melbourne. We've also been talking about the cricket, Jaleesa. Australia winning 3-0. Pat Cummins named player of the series with those 19 wickets and a few runs as well, doing a great job as skipper. But the talk has been all about David Warner, who made 57 in his final test innings. Here's Jared Waitley calling Warner's half-century on SEM. Warner readies himself, he's back and turning around the corner and he'll raise the bat one final time. He settles for the single, it's his 50th run, the SCG and the country rises to him. Glorious batting at the full gallop from Dave Warner. An embrace with Manus Lubbershane, he raises the bat to every part of the SCG. It's his 37th test half century to sit alongside 26 tons and it all feels destined to be so on this Saturday in Sydney. So the chat about David Warner the other thing that we needed to speak about was the McGrath Foundation more than 6.4 million dollars raised for the foundation which included the sale of more than 322,000 virtual pink seats, which has enabled the foundation to reach their goal of 250 McGrath breast cancer nurses across the country. And the big thing to note here is that Glenn McGrath was telling us on air on seven that we've never been able to have anyone in the country be diagnosed with breast cancer and have a nurse with them, no matter where they are. Mm. What's been achieved in the last week has made that possible. So well done everyone that bought a virtual seat. Moving to David Warner, just finally, this was him speaking after the match on SEM. Yeah, look, it's been overwhelming and um, the unwavering support from, from every single person, um, you know, throughout my whole entire career. I've said it plenty of times, you know, I might not have been everyone's cup of tea, but you know, for what I did on the field, you know, the passion that I have, the pride to wear this bag of green, to go out there, compete, um, to do my best for the team and contribute, um, I've got no regrets and, you know, I've absolutely loved it and it's been Fantastic, and I'll cherish this forever. What did you make of Davey speaking there, Jaleesa? Yeah, fantastic, and good to see someone go out. Um, you know when your retirement feels good? Like, you know yep. when someone retires, sometimes I remember, like, you know, when Boyd Cordner had to retire, and I was only crying in that press conference because, you know, there's some retirements that don't feel good. Yeah. This is This felt really like a great celebration of someone's career and that he was very content with how he'd gone out. Yeah, and look... I mean, I'm a teammate, a mate over many years, and there's no doubt that he made mistakes along the way. Like people that are talking about it at the moment, saying that, oh, how disgraceful some of the scandals or, you know, some of the things that have happened. Like no one's perfect, Mm. but he gave it everything when he walked on the field for Australia. And uh, it's, you're absolutely right. There was a real celebration there. Australia could have won the game on day four inside an hour and the place like the members lineup was still like day one mm. out the ground. Yeah. There was still 30,000 people in the venue. Mm. That speaks about David Warner and the achievement of his career and the celebration in that moment. So 
it was an interesting one to watch from up close, and uh, it was definitely a celebration. Just finally, the Test players return to their Big Bash franchises this week before the Test team regroups this weekend. I guess all eyes will be on Will Davy Warner, full of, full of no doubt uh, some celebratory beverages, <laughs> turn up for the Sydney Thunder tonight. Against the Scorchers. That is the last thing he'd want to be doing. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's be honest. It's the last thing. But he has a very lucrative contract there. So, And that is he his does. future, really, is um, in Big Bash yeah. and promoting Big Bash. Yeah. There so, was a bit of a celebration going on as well with all family. He had Tones and I posting about being there. Uh, it Tones was, and I. That's interesting. Yeah. On what grounds? Just that surprising? Just surprising. Yeah. Like, I, I just... Yeah. Are they friends? I think so. I mean, mean, they must be. Yeah, well, (laughs) it was a a bit of an event. It was an event put on for the Warner family, some close friends and things like that. So, uh, yeah, maybe Tones and I just did a set and had a good time. Yeah. Someone wrote, if we want to be really honest about Warner, he's disliked so much because of the cheating. Sorry to tell it how it is. I actually disagree with that. I think that plays into it. I think he was disliked a long time before that. Yeah. I I don't know why. Yeah. But I think he was. And look, there are purists that think that, you know, Sandpaper Gate has just changed Australian cricket forever. And, you know, whether you believe... It's the darkest day in sport. Like, can we get a grip? Yeah. So whether you believe that or not... Pardon the pun? (laughs) That's good from you at this time in the morning. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Whether you agree with that or not, I I think let's just focus on the cricket element. And, And what he did on the field was... Uh, incredible. With the bat in his hand, he, he changed the tempo of the game. He took games away from an opposition so many times that you, you just can't quantify it. So anyway, there's lots to talk about. Tell us what you think on the Suncorp open line, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Speaking of the online opinion and not just on cricket, but this man knows it all and he knows it especially well about football. It's the main man, Andy Pascalides, who joins us to talk football. Good morning, Andy. Good morning, Trent. Good morning, Jaleesa. It's been a long time, my friend. And just one thing on Warner. I think what he did, he showed young cricketers coming through how attractive the game can be and to chase their dreams. And, Mm. you know, unbelievable, unbelievable player. I just was talking off air before we got you up, Andy, on your love of cricket. And I've seen you around the traps at St. George and uh, your, your <laughs> love of all sports. But uh, you must have enjoyed that sitting back as oh, a viewer on the weekend. Mate, I was going to go, but believe it or not, I'm homebound with COVID. And oh, the oh no. Not, not far from where I live. And, you know, the first thing I did on radio in 1994, 95 on 2GB was call the Sheffield Shield final when we beat the Queenslanders. And, David Gilbert struck the winning runs through extra cover. Um, and then I ended up hosting the series when uh, Pay TV started, the infamous series in the West Indies in 95 when Steve Waugh had a little bit of a skirmish. And more recently, commentating um, the Indian Super League football competition in India for seven years, where I got to meet Virat Kohli, Ganguly, Tendorka, and a whole stack of cricketers and got to see a few games. So cricket's in. My DNA in so many ways. I mean, when we were at St. George and my son was there, I had to stop playing cricket myself at 47. And I I really miss playing. I really miss that, just that camaraderie every Saturday afternoon and, and just forgetting about the uh, the worries of the world with your mates. Yeah. 
That's lovely, Andy. What an incredible career you have had. Now, could we just talk about soccer for a second or football? Yeah, Sam absolutely. Kerr, yeah. out with an ACL injury. This is such a blow, particularly with the Olympics coming up. No, oh, it's devastating. Um, you know, our go-to player, six months away from Paris. We have to get over Uzbekistan, over two legs. We expect to do that. They're ranked 47th in the world. But, you know, 69 goals for a country, 99 goals for Chelsea. It happened in a in a camp with Chelsea. Uh, she'd scored four times in about eight or nine games this year. But you know what? She's not the first Matilda to suffer this. Um, Ellie Carpenter went through this. Kai Simon, Chloe Legazzo. Uh, uh, Elise Kellett-Knight, but devastated for the Matildas, devastated for football fans because the Matildas were the showpiece of all Australian sporting uh, international teams last year, along with the Australian cricket team, obviously, but she's such an imposing force and um, Mary Fowler now steps up to the plate in more ways than one. Yeah. She was outstanding during the World Cup, wasn't she? And and it strikes... It struck most of us that were casual football fans and even some of the diehards that she has the makings of an absolute superstar of the game. She has. She has. And from those tentative years that she first broke broke out in the W League, it just shows you so many of these Matildas starting here locally. And when you look at the amount of um, Australian players that are playing in the elite competition in England... There's over uh, at least uh, 10 or 11 players over there now, maybe a couple more, but um, Sam's an inspiration. Sam's an inspiration, not just to footballers, but to all Australians, particularly the young. You know, I touched on Warner a little bit earlier, but Sam's Sam's just an amazing person, an amazing footballer, and um, it's just so sad because, you know, anyone that's suffered an ACL... You know, the Olympics are six months out. You know, ACLs, they're tricky. You, you probably need seven, eight, nine, ten months to, to get to where you need to be. Eddie, just looking at the Socceroos changing tack for a second, the Asian Cup campaign gets underway really soon. I'm really excited to watch this, even though it's not great in terms of the hours that you've got to stop and watch it. Yeah. But defeating 2-0 Bahrain and then going back to, uh, you know, the, the Middle East where they perform so well in the World Cup, it does feel like this Asian Cup, there could be something really special happen here, doesn't it? I, I agree, because look, Qatar is their home from home in many mm. ways. So many of their games have been played there in recent years. We play India in our first game in Group B on Saturday night at the friendly time of 10.30. India are ranked 102 in the world. Um, I've watched Indian football, as I mentioned, very closely. Um, we should get through that. In fact, all the teams in our group are well below us in terms of rankings. Um, Japan, are, uh, the highest-ranked Asian team in, in the world at the moment at 17. We're at 25. But, you know, we um, we lost in the quarterfinal against the host UAE in the last time out. And obviously, Ange Postacoglu led us to glory here in 2015. This is a title that uh, Graham Arnold's desperate to, to get. And um, I'm hoping and praying that uh, we get through the group stage and and go on to to do what we can do and do it well. But uh, Japan have been a nemesis in the past. We lost the final in 2011 to them. And um, our first foray in 2007, we lost on penalties to Japan in the quarterfinals. So um, that'll be the big big tough uh, team if we can get through all the way. Hopefully we can. 
And you mentioned when like it's kind of like the home away from home for the for the Socceroos, but literally for some of the players, it is their home playing over there yeah. too. How much does that uh, benefit? I think it. I think it does. I, I think it'll benefit them a lot. And as 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 we talk about the group stage here, you know, India, Syria, Uzbekistan, they haven't had that sort of football history uh, that the, the Socceroos have since we transitioned from Oceania into into Asia. Um, Arnie's got an interesting squad. There's some young players that he's brought in, um, and there's some seasoned players. The biggest concern for Arnie on Saturday night is the fitness of Matty Ryan, who fractured mm. his cheekbone in Europe uh, while training recently. So he didn't play uh, against Bahrain. We beat them 2-0 on the weekend. Joe Gauci from Adelaide was in goals, and Jackson Irvine was the captain, and typically Mitchell Duke got on the score sheet again. So uh, he, he's hoping that he can continue on that path as well. In terms of A-League, mate, on the weekend, there were some incredible goals. And then we've got the Unite round coming this weekend in Sydney, mate. What are you, what are you liking at present? With Oh, mate, the goals. I, I'll be honest <laughs> with you. I, I don't think I've seen the number of world-class goals in one round of football like I have last weekend, from Tulio to Fabio Gomez for Sydney to Terry Antonis. But, you know, what excites me is it's the first time this weekend we have the Unite round. Uh, there'll be double headers everywhere. Uh, Combank, Allianz and Leichhardt Oval. Um, you know, on Sunday, it's brilliant. We're going to have women and men playing double headers at both Combank and Allianz. So three days of football, 12 games, perfect opportunity to go out there, jump online. The A-Leagues have got great package deals for everyone. And for me personally, I'm excited because my charity Heartbeat of Football will be testing on Friday night at uh, Combank Parramatta, Allianz on Saturday, and we'll also be at both locations, Allianz and Combank. Uh, we'll be there. It's a free heart health check. We test your cholesterol, blood pressure and blood sugar. Um, and it's very important that we know our numbers. How did that come about, Andy? Uh, look, basically playing football at Peakers with a mate of mine um, back in 2014. Uh, Matty Richardson collapsed. We didn't have a defibrillator. Mm. Um, it's the most shocking thing that you can you can see. Mm. Um, and we lost Matty. Then we lost a, another former teammate of mine about four weeks later. And I, I decided, as someone with a football background, to to look into it and. The reality is the first uh, three years, we lost 15 footballers in 18 incidents. And uh, now we've had 21 saved in the last 26 incidents. Um, I've advocated for defibrillators, much like Guy Leach and Greg Page and other great people in this space. Uh, we're pressuring governments. We want defibs at every ground. Um, our charity tested at the Australian Masters Games, the World Cup, went up to Lismore a year after the biggest natural disaster for Gillies 2020 game, did World Pride, did AFL women. Um, and, I'm, you know, Heartbeat of Football actually has branched out into Heartbeat of Sport. And I just think creating that education and awareness is so vital um, in this day and age that, um, you know, I've always said when we go and play our sport on weekends, we should be coming back home to our families. Yeah, Andy, well said, mate. And if you haven't heard of it, heartbeatoffootball.com.au is the site. And obviously it's going to be out there at Unite Round this weekend. Amazing work from you. I've just come off the back of the MCG test with the Shane Warne Legacy yeah, uh, Foundation yeah, you, doing very similar stuff. And it's magic, mate. It needs to be spoken about more. It does, and, and that's why we're looking at other sports. And, and, you know, it's our biggest killer. And we tested 
Um, last, well, on the 2023 numbers, 51% of the people we tested showed an issue for those three modifiable risk factors of high blood pressure, high blood sugar and high cholesterol. Um, it's systematic of society now coming out of COVID, lack of exercise, job pressure and everything else that's associated with it. Yeah, and it's a real misconception that it's an arduous task to get checked. It's very time sensitive. It's you know, Trent, four or five Trent, minutes. It's know, very easy. That's right. And, and Trent, just I know you're busy and all that, but the one thing that I, I really want to stress, it's not a, about old blokes running around on weekends and having a few bungers and a few beers after a game. In those players, it was say we had a nine-year-old, fourteen-year-old girl, sixteen-year-old, twenty-one-year-old. So it's genetic issues as well. People don't know; they yeah. don't know what's happening within. So um, in this day and age, I think uh, heart health is paramount. And it's 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 on the government. I think um, Mr. Albanese and the rest of the guys and girls have to really come up with a proper strategy now as we try to deal with our biggest killer. Yeah, well said, mate. Just finally on the FA Cup, I know you're a West Ham man. Oh. Uh, you, were you happy with the result overnight? And obviously, no. Uh, <laughs> no, Liverpool two 0 no. over Arsenal. Yeah, I, I watched the I watched the West Ham uh, Bristol City game, but I saw highlights of Liverpool. I'm, I'm worried about Arsenal. That's just uh, one yeah. win now in the last seven games in all competitions, and they'll play. Uh, at this ground again in the league next early next month. So Arsenal are fourth in the Premiership now, and they're five points behind Liverpool. It's an exciting comp, but um, we all love the FA Cup. We all remember waking up in the middle of the night and watching Craig Johnson run around for Liverpool, and that's where that sort of uh, that love and passion for for non-football people started. Yeah, Andy, you're an absolute legend. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for the opportunity. Have a wonderful 2024 to you and all the listeners. Likewise, mate. For those of you north of the border, a reminder that Maccas are proud sponsors of Little Legends, supporting grassroots sport across Queensland. Our Suncorp open line number is 1300-01-1170. And Jaleesa, speaking of that, we have Simon from Belmore. I can't wait for this. Simon, are you wanting to talk David Warner? Good morning. Yes, I do. Hi, guys. How are you? Listen, guys. Uh, okay. I'm not a big fan of the Australian cricket side. Okay. I think they're, they're arrogant. Okay, they're all arrogant. And the other thing I want to talk about, David Warner, he should he should face the cameras when he, the sandpaper case, and he should talk live in front of the cameras. He shouldn't go hide. He shouldn't go hide behind the cabinet, and not for, and not show his face. I think David Warner is the biggest arrogant player ever in the cricket side. Simon, um, I'm a bit confused. So thanks so much for calling in. But when you um, say like when he should have faced the cameras, do you mean like, because they did that press conference straight afterwards, which was a bit of a disaster, let's be honest. Um, But then do you mean like he should have faced the, because then he did another press conference when he came home. But do you mean in between that time? No, when they first done it, when they first done the sandpaper case. I mean, you see David, uh, Steve Smith there on there, You've seen that. You've never seen the other two that knew all about it. I think maybe that he did though. I think he because he did one with Can, like and Candace was there. So um maybe it was a little bit later than what you're talking about. Simon, it's a tough one, isn't it? Uh, there will be divided opinion out there, and we appreciate your opinion. It's time now for the news. Summer Breakfast is powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. We've been talking cricket all morning, and where 
David Warner sits in test history, who the legends are of the sport, who should open the batting, and who better to talk to about all of that from the SEN commentary team, the bowlologist, the legend himself, Damien Fleming. Good morning, Flem. Yeah, good day, Copes. I don't know if I can talk about opening the batting. I, I batted number nine in test cricket. <laughs> Hey, you're still an expert, mate. It, just like Copes has been talking about it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. I have. I've been what talking was your about highest? It. What was your highest test score, Copes? Uh, I don't even remember. It was in the twenties, but I've been told all summer actually that when I do packages on the analysis on, say, Alex Carey or anyone else, uh, you average thirteen with the bat. What would you know? So maybe I should shut up. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. Here. I just. Yeah, I remember passing 20 about seven or eight times. That was, you know, a bit of a highlight at the time, thinking that Copes won't get past his score. Um, (laughs) But no, um, yeah, there's still plenty of intrigue, isn't there? Um, With the opening batting, you've sort of gone through the um, specialist openers and then we're sort of going whether Marnus will go up and he wasn't keen. It was almost like we were just going down the order and Stephen Smith was the last name that hadn't been thrown up. But a bit of intrigue, isn't it, that he actually had gone to uh, the coaching staff and put his hand up. Um, I wouldn't begrudge if they went one of the specialist openers. Um, you know, I think Bancroft, Renshaw and uh, Harris, the one thing I've loved about them all is when they've been dropped from the Australian team, they've gone out and scored a mountain of runs in shield cricket. Um, They're all a bit different. I think Bancroft's improved. Um, Certainly his bat playing, which used to come from gully to mid on, um, where test bowlers, with the new ball, were going, well, we can bowl him inside the gate or or get the outside edge. That bat playing looks a lot straighter. He's the best fielder of the three, isn't he? Um, Renshaw's the youngest. Marcus Harris is probably... If he doesn't get the gig, the unluckiest because he's been around the squad. But um, yeah, so it looks like there's been a bit of bit of mountain of promotion, and um, I think the bottom line is they want to get Cam Green into the top six, don't they? Um, so what? How's the easiest way of doing that? And and Stephen Smith going up to open, giving him a challenge, uh, maybe that easiest option. Just going back a, a little bit um, to David Warner and just how his career uh, ended up, it really was the perfect finish, wasn't it? I mean, a half century and just to have um, the SCG embrace him like he has. You couldn't you couldn't really ask for a, a better send-off, could you? No, I mean, when he called it, you know, it was a very brave decision that he'd love to go out at, in, in his home ground, the SCG. Um, you look at the stats and... You know, we're not going to be able to replace someone like that. You know, he averaged so high in um, test match career, but that strike rate of of 70, you know, just accelerated test matches, took um, control of test matches in the first hour, the first session. So, um, you know, we're just not going to be able to ever replace that. I thought he did the one percenters as good as I've seen any batter, the running between the wickets. He's fielding and um, catching in the slips, but he's chasing in the outfield. So, you know, when they're looking at replacing another opener, they don't want to drop the, the fielding standards either. Um, you want to make sure that that you're keeping that, you know, coach, you know, as a bowler, you can feel the fielding pressure when you've got the ball in hand and, and it does give you a lot of confidence. But no, Warner... Saw him in the under-19s. I was obviously Aussie under-19 coach when I was coaching at the Cricket Academy. 
uh, middle order player, bold handy leg spin. He was the best spinner in the car, uh, best fielder in the carnival. Um, but just look at him back when he was 17, 18, to think that he could have the career he had. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have been betting on that to happen. But um, no, he can look back as he got everything out of himself at test level and 50 over cricket. And let's hope he finishes with a, a T20 World Cup title. Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, 22nd on the all-time run scorers list in test history. Fifth all-time for Australia. Uh, 112 test matches. A hell of a career. What about the pride that you feel when we talk about a fast bowler captaining his country, winning every tournament and trophy that there is, and now he's just player of the series, 19 wickets, three consecutive fifers. How good. A fast bowler leading the way, Flem. Pat Cummins. Yeah, it, it's still. I'm a bit emotional as you as you <laughs> as you read that because the two long, you know, fast bowlers were treated like second class citizens. <laughs> you know, the batsmen question our intelligence, and finally, we've got a highly intelligent, high emotional IQ test captain for Australia. When you think of the great fast bowlers that didn't get to captain our country because, you know, we, we were we were pushed aside for batsmen. You think of guys like Merv Hughes, <laughs> um, Dougie Bollinger. You know, what what could Dougie have done captain in the country? Imagine at the toss. He'd be in their head at the toss. Um, but, no, it's been unbelievable. I mean, to, to have that, finally have the opportunity, there's no doubt the great Richie Benno as a leg spin um, captain you know, you hear stories when the when the pitcher's turning. He grabbed the ball and turned test matches. Probably more significant this year, this summer. I think there's been a, a melding of Pat Cummins, the great fast bowler, and also now an experienced captain. I think he captained better this summer, where he he re- read the moment when he needed to grab the ball and change momentum, and it, which he did so often. And then also, I just think his field placements, his control of the team um, was, was excellent. So, you know, I really look forward to just seeing, you know, how far that can go. You know, I don't, you know, you just keep thinking, can he get any better as a fast bowler? And and he actually said he reckons that's the best he ever bowled um, during the Boxing Day test. You're going, wow, he's getting better. Um, but it's that captaincy, the culture set. Um, you know, this is a very enjoyable Australian team to, to watch. And I think, you know, Pat Cummins, McDonald and the, and the coaching staff can take a lot of credit for that. Glenn, there's a lot of uh, talk leading up to the, um, the Crick season, just about how the touring teams would go and perhaps a few concerns. And then Pakistan come out and they performed brilliantly. It was highly entertaining series. What about the West Indies? Are we underestimating them a little bit? Yeah, just to focus on Pac, I, I loved what Pakistan provided. I, I just mm. thought for them to be competitive, I never thought they'd win a test match. I would have thought their two superstars, Barbara Zan and Sean Afridi, the left arm quick, if they dominate and they get handy contributions, you know, they, they could be really competitive. Well, that, that didn't play out. And they were still super competitive. They could have won at Boxing Day. Um, you know, they weren't out of it at the SCG. And and the first innings in Perth was, was, was excellent. So that gives me hope that we keep talking about the big three, India, England um, and Australia. Um, 
you know, Pakistan, if they could play more test match cricket, they're, they're, they're right up there. Yeah, that's as competitive touring team that we've had here for, for a long time, really probably since the Indian teams have come over. England haven't been as competitive as Pakistan, have they, in the last couple of tours? Um, the, the one positive, I think, for the West Indies is, well, certainly the expectation's really low, is that, you know, they've picked six or seven deputants. Um, once again, I think, you know, Joseph and Bradshaw and these guys will have to, to, to I think, will have to be have strong couple of tests for them to be competitive. Um, but I hopefully they unearth some test uh, potential stars like we saw from Jamal. Um, mm. I thought Salman yeah. looks a very good all-round cricketer. Uh, Ayub, the young opening batsman from Pakistan, in hindsight, wish I'd seen him earlier in the tournament. Um, and maybe Pakistan, part of their um, performance, I, I don't know if he's the coach that well, but I thought Masood, uh, very calm on the field as yeah. captain, probably suited to batting five, not three, technically. Yeah. Uh, but he said, we, we have to get 20 wickets, which they did, and we've got to score quicker. So that's why he changed Imam Al-Haq for Ayub with a strike rate of 70. So let's hope they unearth, I don't know who it is, but let's uh, hope they unearth two or three guys that, that really show their, their test match class, the West Indies. A little earlier, Flem, you mentioned that you coached Davey Warner in the Aussie 19s. We just had a text come in from Craig. You said, did Flem just quietly take credit for his coaching of Davey Warner and his, therefore, success after that? Happy with that? Yep, yeah. And <laughs> while you're there, was that Craig? While you're there, Craig, what was what Usman Kawaja? He was in that under-19 team. Flem, you are you just get, created an era. Credit. Craig's got it wrong though. Um, he said Aaron Flem Finch. quietly. He didn't do it quietly. <laughs> no. No, no. Are you thinking, what what about Moses Henriquez? Yeah, mate. The big Mo. We are so <laughs> Where was thankful he at for 17, all of 18? Yeah, mate. You have just given us so much to watch over the years. Thanks so much. <laughs> and and thanks while we're on it, thanks so much for giving us your morning this morning, mate. You've been brilliant, Flemmer. I'm trying to think of someone else. I'll text you later on. Thanks, guys. Have a good morning. Oh, See good ya. on you, Flem. We're here for Bing Lee. Better living every day. It is summer breakfast here on SEN with Trent Copeland and Jaleesa Apps. We're here for Bryden's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness? Contact Bryden's Lawyers. Time now, Jaleesa, for pull up your socks for underworks for all-day comfort. Everyday quality and everyday style. It has to be the all-day socks by underworks. Yeah. What is your pull up your socks for this one? Well, I just mentioned it at the start of the show, so de- but I'm going to revisit it for those who are sleeping at a normal time. <laughs> DLS and the disrespect of Professor Stern is just... Duckworth-Lewis-Stern. Duckworth-Lewis. It is not the Duckworth-Lewis system. It is Duckworth-Lewis-Stern method. The custodian of the method is uh, Professor Stern, and he is at Bond University, I think, at the Gold Coast. Sure. Oh, I don't know why you're not more outraged at this, but anyway, it's really it's taking me aback. Um, yeah, but I, I just justice for Professor Stern. That's all I want to say. So you're actually you're you're arguing justice for him, having recognition, but you're against the actual methodology. System shit. <laughs> there you in, go. Like, That's what I was trying T20, to establish in T20. That Absolute. is an emphatic pull up your socks. <laughs> Absolute. It does not work. We need to take away this five overs constitutes a game. No, it doesn't. Five overs is backyard cricket. No, get rid of that. 
So that's my main problem with it. But also I'm, I'm more on like, if we're going to have this system, at least let's attribute it to the right man. Okay. Look at that. Both sides of the fence and <laughs> nailing the opinion. Uh, mine, it's, uh, look, uh, I am so frustrated with cricket and the governing body not having DRS. So you've mentioned DLS. Mm. I'm going the decision review system. I think it is the most gray area in world sport right now. The way the rules are defined, the umpire's call element needing to be 50% or more to overturn. Just forget it. Seriously, forget that ruling. And we need to acknowledge one thing in all of this. Umpires need to be respected. No doubt about that. Mm. But they don't know more than technology. So let's not try and just go, okay, the umpire's decision on the field has to be more important than the relevant data available to us. It, at the moment, we are trying to protect that rather than getting the right results. And I just, I think we have to universally accept within cricket that the technology, whilst it has an error rate within its predictive data, so I'm talking an LBW, hits someone on the pad, we don't know for sure where that is going to end up. But the technology is our best chance, even with an error rate, to know exactly where it has ended up. We have to just accept it and it's either out or it is not out. I hate technology in sport. <laughs> I hate it so much. Well, whether you hate it or not, uh, I think just at if the moment, we're it, creating yeah. so much if controversy it, and hate it. for umpires. Yes. It's not their fault. Yeah, I agree. If, if you're going to use it, use it. But, I mean, even look at, like, you say that um, DRS is terrible in worst in world in cricket. What about football with VAR? That yeah. is horrendous. Yeah. Uh, so many times the decisions there are just erratic. I just, I just hate technology. Just take me back. I just want to go to a farm, grow some corn, <laughs> never use a phone again. <laughs> so do you have the ability to just not look at your phone for multiple hours? My phone is, if you ask anyone in my life, my phone is never charged. Like it is constantly flat. I, it's not ideal in news, surely. It's brilliant for me. <laughs> don't call me. I don't want to know. It, when I am at home, unless I know that for a work sense, someone's going to call me, I don't have it on. I have it on. Do not disturb. I don't want to talk to you. Nobody speak to me ever. <laughs> okay. It's fitting that you're on radio. Yeah. <laughs> but call in one three hundred zero one eleven seventy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's talk Australian women's cricket and Elise Perry just quickly before we hit a break. Uh, Australia win overnight by six wickets against India and Elise Perry in her 300th match for Australia Ooh. ices the game. It was very fitting. She's a legend of the sport. We've been speaking legends all morning. Just a quick word on the success of this team and Elise Perry. Yeah, incredible. And and for 300 games too um, in this era, I, you know, when we were talking before about looking at uh, things retrospectively and comparing things retrospectively, it, the way the women's game is going, that won't seem like a lot not mm. in not too distant future. Yeah. It's huge at the moment. Yeah. But it's just purely because there's going to be more fixtures and more um, expansion of the game. Yeah, and as someone that's played, we've been mentioning Sam Kerr and the Matildas all morning, mm. as someone that's scored World Cup goals, a dual international, 
She's a superstar of sport generally and one of the most marketable athletes in the country. Well done, Elise Perry, and well done to the Aussie women who win overnight. Welcome back to Vossi and Brandy. You're actually with Jaleesa and Trent Copeland. Paramat says, great to hear you two together. Only just turned on. Yes, Perth is three hours behind. But you're killing it with the Flem interview, and I love the technology. Hey, J.A. Ha. Paramat, <laughs> I want to know where you, why are you in Perth? And I just asked everyone around here, producer-wise, and they said, oh, yeah, he's been in Perth for about a year. What's going on? Anyway, text tomorrow because I'm leaving. <laughs> there you go. It sounds like you've just been on a phone conversation with him. Yeah. Uh, Call in, Paramat. <laughs> what are you doing for the rest of the day in this overdressed outfit <laughs> compared to mine. Yeah, I'm wearing a suit because I'm going straight <laughs> to Channel 7 to do my normal job. Um, I'm not sure what's happening today, but anyway, I'll be finishing at about 7 and I'll be back here tomorrow and you've got a busy one as well. You're yes. on Big Bash. We're both Channel 7 Yes, Big Bash tonight. Hopefully the rain stays away. The thunder against the scorches is going to be a ripper tonight, I think. Who knows? Will Davey Warner be there? That's the big question. Uh, I don't know what the answer is either. Text us. Text him now. I should. Maybe I should text him. Get him on the open he's, line. He's in the middle of the. Yeah, he's in the middle of his circus from retiring. So <laughs> I doubt he'll be there. But anyway, hopefully he is. Thanks for joining us this morning here on SEM. We got Julian King out at nine a.m. He's going to have Dan Cherney on from Code Sports and Benny Graham, who's going to talk NFL, the last regular season round before the playoffs kick off. Thanks for joining us here on Summer Breakfast, aka Jaleesa's show this morning. <laughs> we'll catch you tomorrow.